This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Turkaholics, another week, another episode of Football a la Turca, and uh, we decided to change things up a little bit. We're going to uh, change our format once again, so uh, please let us know what you think of it. Uh, my name is Kambaz, I'm joined by Burak Sizgin, the man of the law, not Burak Yilmaz, Jakub Marofolo, and uh, Umut Nadere, and Jakub, I hear you like the pronunciation, my pronunciation of the R in Marofolo. What's so, what's so Yeah, strange? you're... Your your sweet sexy voice it's just it's just unbelievable man it's like straight straight kindness into my ears man. <laughs> what? Okay, um, that's great. Anyway, uh, now I'm a little bit from my milk. <laughs> that, that has thrown you completely off now, hasn't it? Can't completely. We don't they don't see. I did it's, not see that coming. No. It's not very often that Khan is speechless, dear listeners. This might be, you know, once in a blue moon. <laughs> we finally have a script on it, boys. Finally. Hey, uh, so Uzzer's in uh, the States, but we're all here in Europe, of course. Did you guys notice much of this this big-ass storm that's gone through uh, the continent? Oh, yeah, we had uh, a big, big, big amount of it in, in the UK, just the headlines. Um, certain little cities underwater, um, trees on the train tracks causing trains to be delayed. Um, A popular one was uh, people's trampolines that were in the garden Mm -hmm. were were blown and actually hit trains that were actually moving. So they had to stop the train tracks. They had to put out a a warning to people to say, if you have a trampoline in your garden, please nail it or tie it down because they're flying around. And yeah, I think there was like 480,000 homes without power at one point in the UK. And that was a uh, storm. I forgot the name of it now. Um, Chiari. Chiari, yeah. Clara, Clara. Clara, yeah. So um, I think the weekend had the, the most of it. So I spent most of Sunday, actually all of Sunday indoors. I didn't leave the house because it was just the horrendous weather. Yeah. Um, luckily, none of my fences in my garden blew down. Otherwise, that would be annoying. But it's just it's it's wind and rain at the same time. It's just and you saw a lot of teams playing play football. There was a lot of games called off in England in the Premiership. Mm-hmm. Um, Man- Manchester City West Ham was called off. I think that was a four pm kickoff on a Sunday, and lots of other games in the north of England were called off as well. And I think we we had one tonight actually um, in in the Turkish Super League. I can't yeah. remember. Well, wasn't it? Gustepe Rizespor was called off, but um, I, I don't think the, the storm is raging through Turkey, is it? It's just very cold and uh, snowy weather there right now, I believe. Uh, or did did the storm uh, hit uh, Izmir? I don't know. Was the game supposed to be in Gustepe or was yeah, it in... it was in Izmir, so it was a home game for Gustepe. 
for tonight. Uh, may- maybe it's not the- quite often you see snowing in Izmir, though. Mm. Um, was it just the fact that Riza players couldn't travel because of the weather? I don't know if that's that's what it was. Possibly, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not fully aware. But uh, Umu told me that. Uh, if it is snowing in Izmir, because of course he used to live there, it can be very biting cold, so to speak, you know, when you're going through the cold and your face just it's like no, you're like, stabbing it's, knives it's in your not, face. It's not when it's like snowing, it's just uh, every winter, like wind. sometimes it's really cold that you cannot go outside because yeah, you're it's freezing outside. And what of about course, of course, it's different than how Erzurum is, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And uh, they, are, they are playing, I think, tomorrow their league game, Erzurum, in second division at, at 2 p.m. Uh, so, very early, you know. Um, anyway, uh, Jakub, how's, uh, how's the Netherlands uh, handling the, the, the current weather predicament? Anything uh, blow away in your garden? Well, we don't have a garden, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's horrible, man. Um, I'm, I'm used to a lot. But, you know, um, I don't know how it's in Belgium, but, you know, that the Dutch like to uh, ride their bikes. Mm. And um, some of them even tried. But, you know, come on, common sense says don't do it. <laughs> I, I did it. Uh, but it was after the big uh, storm, of course. Like, I after, I went to get the kids from school, my kid and uh, his two uh, cousin and his niece or whatever. Um, and uh, I went down a path that I always go down. And um, there was a tree in the middle of it, so I tried to lift it, <laughs> tried to lift it and, and move it, and I, I just couldn't couldn't drag it far enough because it was like close to a bench and stuff, so I couldn't get it past it, and I decided to just turn back and take a different route. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the story of the storm in Europe raging right now. If you're listening in the states, you're probably thinking, eh, I don't know if they're uh, having uh, any of that, but of course you, those people are used to uh, so a lot worse with uh, all those uh, tornadoes and stuff like that. If you live in the wrong side of the states, anyway, let's talk, let's talk some football and, like I said, a little bit of a different format change. I did think that uh, somebody recently said something on on uh, Reddit that yeah. uh, they they weren't a big fan of our recent format change. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to change up things a little bit, uh, model it a little bit more like other podcasts that I personally like to listen to. And basically what that means is just shoot the breeze. So let's, let's start, start talking about a little bit like the league leaders, of course, Sivas Sport. They were hosting uh, Bashakshi here, who were, I believe, in second place due to Trabzonspor's postponement or were they in third place at the beginning of this match day i'm not sure uh anyway this match ended in another draw sivaspor for the third match in a row not able to win um but how much do you think uh the, the weather really factors in here because i think for a team like sivaspor traditionally it might be an advantage to play home games in january february against the big bigger teams against the, the the title contenders, and, you know, I think we can count Bishakshi here among those in the last couple of years. Normally, it would be an advantage because it would put the better team off, but right now, I have the feeling that Sivaspor are kind of struggling under that. It's not the first time they drop points at home. Of course, two weeks ago, they dropped points against Rizespor 1-1, and now they drop points again. They actually salvage a point because it was Bishakshi here who took the lead through Dembaba. Um, yeah, any, any uh, thoughts on this match, guys? Well, it, like like you said in our group chat, it really looked like a bit of a a, a winter wonderland in in Sivas. In at least the 
one half of the pitch was caked in snow and it was um you can say that Sivas might be you know on the advantageous side playing at home in these conditions but I don't think anyone is ever going to really enjoy or see the benefit of of playing in that type of snow. Yeah, especially um, not now because they want to play football now, you know. Yeah, and and how many, I want to know how many of the, the players did Silas sign this season that have maybe are are not used to the Silas conditions. Mm-hmm. The the fans obviously are. You know, you got the Zabhagadad Borday Kamja, um, bless his soul, who's had his who's had his teeth done and you know had the juju put curse on on Silas. Um, but it was, it's not enjoyable to even watch football in that kind of weather because it's really hard to see the ball. Yeah. Even even though so, and that's us on the TV, and you've got to think about the players who are playing with the snow thrashing down on them. They're obviously bloody cold running around, and makes things hard for goalkeepers. We saw like Matt drop a catch that needed to a goal. Twice but, even, all, yeah. but he, but you know, he made some great saves at the end from. Matt Tarkan on that shows that you know Matt versus Matt towards the end of the game when it was one one, but I think we're seeing. I don't know how this has happened to deceive us. I don't know if the, the winter break has maybe let things get to get to them, maybe get to the players who maybe are just not used to this level of, you know, playing at the top of the table. So maybe it's like a lack of experience there, and but you know they've tried to just go about their business, but. Yeah, you can see that what a good side Bashakshi hit are. Um, for this, um, the Denver Bar goal was um, a little fortuitous, you could say. Um, I, th- I think Sivas were quite unlucky not to be awarded a penalty, which we should discuss um, because uh, of of what says in the rules. But you know, there there might be discussion around that for other people as well. Um, but it was a very good. Um, headed goal by Yatabara to, to break it to 1-1 and I think it was a, a fair result um, based on the two teams but um, I don't think any team is going to ever have the advantage playing in that in, the, in those conditions even though they live in that part of the country Yeah, I think I, I don't think that's necessarily true I do think it does give an advantage to, 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 to teams that probably you know don't want to play football want to Go for a point or whatever. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about that penalty position, guys. Uh, this was a p- position at 1-0 to Bishakshi here. Uh, Gail Klishi, uh blocks an attempted cross with his foot, then jumps up against his arm. Uh, Sivaspor wants a penalty. But, yeah, the rules say if the ball comes off the player's body and then hits his arm, it's not a penalty. So I think the referee made the right his arm. He just carried the ball around. No. <laughs> yeah, in slow motion it looks like that, but real time. I mean, it's, it didn't. It's not a movement. It's for me, it's not a penalty. It's it's really tough because I've before each each of these calls, I always open up my uh, Adobe Acrobat. I open up the EFAB rulebook, which has the rules in there because, as we know, I am a man of the law. And the interpretation of this from the EFAB rules, just so our listeners get a good idea. It goes, except for the above offences, it is not usually an offence if the ball touches a player's hand arm Mm -hmm. directly from the head or body, including the foot of another player who is close. Oh, and it says, 
directly from the player's own head or body, including the foot. Now, the important thing to look at here, it says it is not usually an offence. Yeah, usually being the key. Usually, word. so I mean, how how the fuck do you define usually? <laughs> yeah, and that's where <laughs> and that's where the referees always kind of have an out because there's not a definitive black and white rule. It's not right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, coming from my my point of view as a man of the law, um, if the ball had come off Clichy's foot as it did, and hit his arm and just gone off, you know, for a corner. You could sit there and say, you know, it's come off his foot. He's sliding on the ground and it's hit his arm and gone off. And you're like, okay, that's fair enough. But in this instance, he's actually he's got the ball under his arm, like like a rugby or American football player, like wide receiver, and he's just carried it forward out off the pitch. Now, I think in that kind of situation, that should go to VAR. And the referee should review it on the, on screen himself and think, well, I know the rule book says it's not usually an offence if it hits his arm after it's come off his own foot. But on this occasion, he's kind of he carried it under his arm and but taken it off Aren't we being misled a little bit by the slow motion replay that we're getting to see? Because if you look at it in real time, it, it it's really not. I mean, yes, he, he it, it hits his arm and it, it kind of stuck stuck under there. It's not like he make it's not like he's making a conscious effort to grab the ball or anything. You know, I don't think he is either. I don't think he's actually done that on purpose. The ball's just ended up there, mm-hmm. and he's tried to release his arm, but by the time he's realised what's happened, he's carried the ball forward a certain distance. And to me, the ref should look at that and say. Well, I know it's not usually an offence, but this kind of takes the piss a little bit. Mm. But again, you know, usually, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. usually an offence. So how do you? <laughs> that that is that is like the the grey area, right? And you're like, yeah. what? What happens? I'm interested to see what um, what Nyakob think about that as well, because we've heard enough from Yukon already. So. <laughs> 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 and Umut definitely seems to have a differing opinion. So let's let's have it. You know. Uh... I don't think we have to look at the slow motion there, but you can see that the ball is stuck under his arm uh, right uh, when Yasin Ustakin tries to cross there. It just bounces off from the ground and it's just got stuck under his arm. And if his arm wasn't there, it, the ball uh, will be like Yasin's in Yasin's position. Yeah, you know, and it will be a, like a, a threatening uh, attack for Suaspor. Uh, I don't know if you agree, but uh, yeah, that, that's true. But I don't think you take that in. I, that's not something that's part of the rule. You don't like. I think that's a. I've argued in the past that I think it's a good idea to add something to the handball rule that says if the defending team gains an advantage, you know, because but of, of course that's something that's up, open to interpretation too. But we're gonna get also, to a, a, a position in any later. case. You should have been going to war. Uh, for a for the referee's view, because I don't think he did see the position by that kind of angle. You know, mm. it's just on the end of the pitch, and I don't see referee anywhere near the ball uh, uh, in the screen. Uh, yeah, but VAR only... is constantly in the referee's ear. They're they're talking, they're communicating with the ref, and they're letting him know what they think, and then they decide. You know, then he then they say, well, maybe you should have come should come take a look or. Not, but 
there's a, you have to keep in mind, I mean, the people in the VAR room are also referees, so they know uh -huh. the rules, supposedly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh but what you, so what do you think? Is it a penalty then for you? Uh, I think it's a penalty. Uh, okay. Jakob, what, what do you think? Do, do you think it should have been a penalty for Sivas? I don't know. It's, you know, in, in first look, it, it kind of looks like a penalty. But um, as Umut said, it, when you look at it from a different angle, from slow motion, you can see that the ball just gets, you know, wedged on, under his arm. So it, it isn't like a deliberate thing. Um, I, I really don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as, uh, as, as, as Burak is with the laws of the game. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that what I'm saying is correct. But I probably would have given that a penalty. But there's a reason that, I'm not on the pitch. Um, I'm sitting here, and that guy's on the pitch. So, <laughs> but I, I think know. another thing to take into consideration is: is the arm in an unnatural position? And I think the answer there, for me at least, is no. So, no. Yeah, it, yeah. As I said, it doesn't look like he deli he de he does it deliberately. Yeah. It looks really weird. It, lo it looks like when you're playing a game and the game is lagging, and it looks like it looks like that. Yeah. But um, for, for yeah. me, that's one hundred percent not a deliberate pen, not a deliberate handball. Plus, it comes off his own feet. I don't see how you give a penalty for that. Yeah. Burak, man of the law. What do you think? I still say it falls into the the area of subjectivity, where again it's underlined. This this is the the EFAB rules which have been rewritten. The handball. Mm -hmm. Also have been been rewritten to supposedly give us better yeah. clarification, but it looks like they've taken the easy way, easy way easy way out by saying it is not usually offence if the ball touches a player's hand arm directly from a player's own head or body, including the foot. So, I think one week a referee gives it, and one week a referee doesn't give it, and they can easily go back to a rule book to say, well, my interpretation was. I know it's not usually an offence, but that seemed like an offence to me. But we as fans and the managers and the press never get to hear that as well. So I would give that as a penalty purely because he's he's carried it a, a specific distance off the pitch. Because if it just hit his hand and gone off for a corner, I would have said, OK, that falls under the law where it's come off his foot and he's just gone off for a corner. But because he's carried it a certain distance, I think for me that takes it out of the realm of usually not being an offence to being an offence. Yeah, but it kind of falls under the same uh, rule then, I think, where when a player falls on the ball with their hand in between their body and the ball, which is not a which is not which is not a, a handball either. Um, so I think it kind of falls under that same thing. Anyway, for me, it's really just not a penalty. But let's move, let's move forward and uh, let us know what you think on Twitter uh, if you thought it was a penalty for Sivaspor or not. Uh, let us know. Yeah, let's move to uh, last season's champions, Galatasaray, who are on a five-match winning streak after beating Kasim Pasha 3-0 this match day. A pretty easy, straightforward win for Kasim Pasha. A friend of mine was trying to tell me that he was uh, convinced that Kasim, Kasim Pasha... Pasha... Yeah. Galatasaray. Yeah, did I say... Uh... Easy win for Kasim Pasha, you said. Oh, an easy win <laughs> over Kasim Pasha then. Uh, okay. Anyway, a uh, friend of mine was trying to tell me that this was going to... That Kasim Pasha was, were going to be able to hold Galtzrai to a draw. I told him it's going to be 2-0 for Galtzrai within 30 minutes. 
<laughs> I literally said that. <laughs> Lo and behold, um, easy win for Galtzrai. Uh, Kasim Pasha making it very easy for them, in fact, by one of the most comical goals I think we'll see all season. Although Figuli did his best to get that ball in there still, because there was a defender at the near post and he still somehow managed to squeeze that in. But Fatih, uh, the goalkeeper, Fatih Osturk from Kasim Pasha, uh, running into one of his teammates and staying down. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no goalkeeper in the goal. And, and Figuli slots it home. Uh, easy win for Galatasaray. The biggest takeaway, I guess, is Marcelo Saracci. After two minutes, Umoz had to be taken off again after a little sprint. Seems to have re-aggravated that hamstring injury. Came back a little early. I, I think you have something to say about that. Yeah, I think it's a bad situation, Galatasaray, because uh, how uh, Sarachi was transferred is to balance the uh, two uh, wing-backs of Galatasaray uh, to be like uh, equally used. But right now, we rely on Martin Linus right now, uh, which is not a great attacking threat, uh, to be honest. And uh, him being injured is uh, kind of a bad bad uh, thing for Gus, right? Uh, he was just uh, down there chasing Ricardo Quaresma and uh, signaled to Fatih Terim to sub him off. Uh, and Musura came in to understand what's going on. And he just wants to uh, get out of the game. And I was sure then his uh, injury went back on. Uh, yeah, I think he'll be out for a week or... Uh, Two weeks. Uh, pretty sure he won't be playing in the Alanya uh, Cup game. Yeah, and he was supposed to be out for three to four weeks initially. That was lowered down then to two to three. But I, when did he get injured? Because he seems to be back really quick. This seems like just one and a you half. I think week it's or so. a physio fault that he's been like mistakenly uh, like given permission to play uh, too early. Then he usually uh, like these injuries usually came back yeah i mean if you get if you have to be subbed off after just two minutes it's clearly an issue there i think with uh, with the physiotherapist uh and, and the medical staff just not yeah it shouldn't have cleared him i think um, yeah but martin linus came on as a sub yeah but uh, did a good you, job. you know it costs you a sub you know uh, yeah of course it would be a tough situation guys if there was another injury in the game Mm-hmm. Uh, Galtzride, so like I said, five-match winning streak. They're coming out of the gates, uh, firing at all cylinders. Of course, uh, I think we do have to mention with that they have had a f- uh, an easy schedule, I would dare say. Uh, right before the winter break, of course, they trashed Antalya Spor, who at the time were in very poor form. Uh, of course, they made some good moves in the, in the winter transfer uh, period, but they were in a poor form. They've also now uh, beaten Konya Spore uh, 3-0 away since uh, January. Uh, Konya in a terrible form. Now Kasim Pasha, who I think right now are um, alongside Kayseri, probably the weakest side in the league. Uh, Kayseri, another team at Galatasaray, uh, beat in that five-match winning streak. I think the only real test they had in those five games was Denizli Spore, and that was by the skin of their teeth. So uh, Galtzrai going to go into a, a, a tougher schedule in the coming weeks. First, they have a struggling Malatya next week. That's going to be another relative easy 
three points supposedly on paper, but after that they have the Fenerbahce derby. Uh, they'll face uh, in, in the weeks following that they'll face Sivaspor and Besiktas. So they have some tough games coming up. So they're fortunate now that they're able to build up some steam and some confidence. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at their schedule now, and they play Sivas and Besiktas back to back. And then they play two weeks later. They play Başakşehir and Trabzonspor back to back. So, you know, they they had a, a an easy start to the second half, but it's it's going it's going to be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll have a cow back probably. But I think we're kind of being misled right now. Galatasaray's form and and they're they're meddling at the top of the table. They're there. Uh, there's a lots of positive vibes now around Galatasaray. Of course, morale and and all that is very important. So this is good for them this is going to give them a very good chance going into that tough schedule but i want to wait and see how they come out of that because take for example Fenerbahce if you look at the schedule that they have had since january since the, the competition started up again yeah they dropped a lot of points but also look at who they played they played uh, like they played um of course uh Bashakshi here they played Trabzonspor they played Alanya Spor. Um, who else did they play? Like they pl- had a, another tough game, I believe, in the, the opening uh, four weeks now. Gaziantep, but that was that wasn't too tough. But what was the other one? Is that the only one they've had? But anyway, yeah. three yeah, three teams from the top seven in those four fixtures. You know, Galatasaray haven't had a single one. Galatasaray have had the easy relegation sides, the struggling sides like Konya. They're going to get Malatya now. Um, and this is the same thing can be said for Bashakshi here. They have had uh, Sivaspor now. They have had Fenerbahce, of course. Uh, Besiktas have had... Um, who have they had? Sivaspor. They've had a very tough away game in Gustepe, who opened their new stadium. Um, yeah, and, and Sivaspor, of course, have had Besiktas, Fenerbahce, Bashakshi here now. So, I think we need to uh, look at Galtzrai's good run right now, and we'll have to wait and see in, in, in four more match days or so how they're standing then, I think. Uh, and and Kasim Pasha, let's talk about them, because they're really struggling. But Burak, you wanted to say something. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, Galtzrai have just been going about their business. As mm-hmm. the league burns at the the top of the table with just just absolutely horrendous tomfoolery and, and shithousery. Um you could say that, you know, Gladstar were just you know, laying low, um, making the most of their fixtures. You, you know, you, you can only beat who's in front of you and they've been doing that. Mm-hmm. Yes, they've had a few injuries and, you know, they they've been doing okay without some of their their, their more key players. But you know the other players. You could say Arden Buke has stepped up to fill the gap, but he stepped Four up against goals in three games or something. But you know, again, he stepped up against the lower teams. Could he do that against teams that are in the the top six? But that's neither here here nor there. They've done exactly what would have been expected of them. Is like you say, build up a role of form, mm-hmm. and and everything was going you know really well, and then out of nowhere, you know, Mustafa Jengis, that Adanale pitch just comes out on TV and just lights the blue touch paper. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, why? The team is playing really well. And well, I want to say they're playing really good football, but they're winning football games and they're scoring goals. And they're winning easily, uh, apart from the Nisley. They won those games 
very easily. Yeah, and and the, the rift between Genghis and Fatih Tilim seems to have been brushed away and not mentioned. But then he comes out with these like just crazy statements, almost thinking, well, hang on. Um, are we feeling a bit left out here? Let's, let's join the fun and you know absolutely throw a spanner into the work. So I really don't get him, but you know, like I say, he's an other another pitch, so it's probably in his blood. So there's no need to like the blue touch paper, and I know he's doing it ahead of the derby as well to stir things up, which is what we don't need. Yeah, all your hate at Brachiosaurus uh, on Twitter, uh, dear Galt fans. Prove me wrong. <laughs> prove me wrong. You won't be able to. Kasim Pasha, though, they, Umut and I did a transfer episode, a special episode last week on Friday. I don't know if you've listened to it, guys, or, or the listeners have listened to it yet. Go check it out. Um, but we discussed Kasim Pasha and how they let go, I think, five or six of their starters this January. And for me, in the first half of the season, they were kind of like a mediocre side, you know, some, a team that probably weren't going to struggle tremendously and probably were going to stay in it. And they've gone from that to... In my eyes, one of the prime candidates now to relegate just because they let go of a bunch of decent players. I mean, Siam Ben Youssef, for me, was one of their best players. Uh, and, and so was Karim Hafez. Um, yeah, and, and then you, who else did they let go? Abdul Kadir Khalili, uh, they let go um, Popov, uh, Strahil Popov. He went to Hatay Sport in the second division, or top of the table, by the way. So, yeah, they let go of a lot of... Good key players. Mustafa Pektimek went to Alanya Sport. Very surprising. And if you look at their run of form in the second half of the season, they look in a very poor shape. And also in this match, I mean, Galtzrey scored three in the first half, but they could have easily added three or so more in the second half. It's, yeah, I don't know. It feels like Kasim Pasha threw in the towel. And I don't see why, because they weren't in a terrible position going into the second half of the season. I think it's the Ricardo Quaresma effect. <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> yeah, he had a he had a nice a little nasty little uh, stamp on the back of the heel uh, early in this match too. I think. Yeah, I was so pissed off. Yeah, you know, he imagine. should have been uh, suspended uh, or it's a yellow card at least, but nothing was given. Mm. And this was early yeah, in the match, so. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that that that's that that's that bitch mentality. It's hard to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, but what 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 I uh, on, on on a serious note, I think that Kasim Pasha is having a bad time. Whenever you know, um, especially the keeper. You know, I, I Fatih Oster, um a Trabzonspor player for a while. For I don't know what mm-hmm. a horrible time that was. Um, but I know that Borak um, can also attest to this that. He can have like the greatest game ever. He can mm-hmm. be like the Oliver Kahn in goal, but this game it was just such a horrible game. You know, it, it's not his sole sole problem. It's it's not he's not the sole per, uh, person to blame for this. But the team is just so I don't know. It it it, it doesn't look like like a like a professional football team. It, yeah. it for some reason it just looks so unconvincing on the pitch. Um, they are horrible in the striker position. They have nobody. I don't understand why they why they send away Fektimek. You know, he might not be the best striker, but he's a guy that has proven him himself a couple of times, mm-hmm. and he knows the league. Trezeg, obviously, for a lot of money, and yeah. they didn't do anything with all that money. They got ten million for him, but they 
just didn't do anything with it. It's so unbelievable. They they got 10 million and they spent 650,000 euros. Yeah, they got 10 million for Trezeguet. They got, in the middle of the season, they got 10 million for uh, Diagne plus 3 million in bonuses. So they're 23 million on two players. And now they're letting go half of their team. And it kind of... I mean, I, there's not nothing been said about it, but like if you look at the only other teams that do that are teams that aren't paying their players and players who are terminating their own deals. And all these guys have left on free transfers. And all these guys are guys that are in like, except for Mustafa Pektemek, who's like 30 or 31, but I think Popov is 29. Uh, Karim Hafez was a loan from, uh, from Egypt, but that's a loan that got terminated. And, and he was like, he's like 24. Um, Khalidi is 27. Uh, who else did they let go? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, it's not like they're cutting the fat from the 30-plus-year-old guys that earn a lot of money or anything. It's a very weird, bizarre situation, and I think Kassim Pasha are going to go down this season. And I, for one, won't really miss them, to be quite frank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, they are best sheep. This is black sheep. Anyway, I think we said a lot about, uh, about that. Let's go to another match in the relegation zone. Kayseri Sport, Antalya Sport. This match ends in a 2-2 draw. Uh, two penalties, one for either side. I did not notice if Diago Angelo was involved in any of that. <laughs> Umut, did you notice? No. Yeah, But apart from that, this was a match, I think, not too much going on here in terms of... Uh, in terms of controversy, one goal disallowed, uh, Lukas Podolski, but that was a correct decision offside. Um, he scored just two minutes after coming on, but it got disallowed, of course. He was also involved in the build-up to the equalizer for Antalya Spor. Uh, neither side really uh, helped by this, by a point they need to win games. Antalya Spor, of course, we all are thinking, I think they're going to stay in it. They had a good January window, uh, lots of panic buys maybe, but... You know, they were down there, so they needed to do something. But thus far, it's not really kicked into high gear yet for them. Well, you you say that there's not much controversy in these games. But I've noticed on, on both the penalties that were awarded, don't have an issue with the penalties that were being awarded, but both of the penalties should have been retaken. Because on both of the penalties, there was encroachment by an attacking player. And we consult the rule book because I'm a man of the law. And it says, outcome of the penalty kick, if it's a goal, but there's encroachment by an attacking player, the penalty has to be retaken. Now, It almost never happens. Of course it doesn't happen. But it happens in other games where goalkeepers are coming off their line. Yeah, when they <laughs> saved when they when they saved the penalty, then but you kind of is... have to look at it. You know, they're, they're just directly involved. These encroaching attacking players aren't involved. No, so... but the, the rule is that the penalty is retaken. Yeah. So are we? Yeah. So that it doesn't matter if the attacking player is one meter inside, if they're twenty centimeters inside, you can't have a rule that needs to be enforced. And you're not enforcing it because it's like, nah, it's an attacking player. The ball's gone in, you know, let's not worry about it. No, if you're doing that, let's look at, we need to have a look at every single penalty. And this is the stuff that they need to teach the referees. No, they need to change that rule. I don't think they need to teach referees to have those penalties retaken because that's silly. No, that's bullshit. Whilst the rule is here, we have to fucking abide by it. But it's silly. It's silly. 
It's, it's stupid. If you're going to retake every single penalty for that. But that's uh, the fucking rules, Khan. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying that's change, the fucking rules. Change, what do you expect me to da- do? Change the damn rule instead of uh, change the rules, but until the rule, silly rule. But until the rules have been changed, you have to enforce them, and they're not being enforced. Yeah, it's like it. it's like it's, saying it's okay. I'm gonna own. I, I'm gonna you know, stab you, but I'm not gonna you know get fined or told off for it because it hurt happened in a certain way. That's that's what it is. All we want to see is the rules upheld. They're, they're clear as day. I'm happy to post them on the website for everyone to see so that on the outcome of a penalty kick, whether it's a goal or it's not a goal, depending on what's happened, encroachment by an attacking player, encroachment by a defending player, offence by a goalkeeper, ball kicked backwards, there's... I'm not arguing the rule. Look, if a penalty is taken, a referee, a goalkeeper saves it, hits the post, a, a attacking player encrouches and hits the rebound, of course you have to retake. And the same thing goes if it, 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 the rebound gets cleared by a defender that encroached. 100% agree. But if those guys aren't getting involved, then no need to overcomplicate things. Uh, and yes, that's, that's a rule that should be amended and that probably should be added if those guys uh, get involved in any sort of a rebound or anything. But yeah. Uh, but that's not what the rule says. It just it, says encroachment. It's, it's the same thing as a back pass that almost never gets enforced. And how many times do we see a goalkeeper pick up a back pass? A lot of times. But yeah, exactly. the, the number of times that a penalty has been retaken... Both have been given against Van Arbacher. Yeah, but both were because the goalkeeper was off his line way too quick. Well, the first one was ridiculous, and the second one was okay, you know. But both were because the goalkeeper is off his line too quickly and saves it. Of course, then VAR has to look at it. They also have to look at it if a player encroaches, because that's what it says in a rule book. Yeah, it's not the same thing, Burak. You know, it's uh, it is the same thing. It's, it's, the, the, same it's the rule. Thing. It's not the same thing because it has no. Uh, the one thing has no. Uh, uh, impact on the outcome and the other one does so it's not the same thing apples and oranges that's not what it says in the rules Khan. i don't care it's not the same thing one so you don't care about the rules are you saying you don't care about the rules because that, that is i care exactly about the rules saying. it's a silly rule that needs to be amended as i said it does not impact the outcome but until it's amended, you have to follow okay, the letter of the law. Let's have Umut and Yakub. What do you think? Should this be enforced, guys? <laughs> oh, right, right. Or is it silly? <laughs> it's uh, the rule. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Umut, it's, it's should, in the, should the penalties it's in the get retaken? fucking rule book, guys. It's I'm not arguing that. Not arguing that. I'm uh, more uh, closer to Khan's uh, way of thinking because, you know... If it's scored uh, and uh, there is nobody uh, having an impact to the ball or the uh, set piece taker, pendulum taker, then why should you like retake it? What's the point? Ask Efab, not me. I didn't make the rules. <laughs> but you're the man of the law, damn it. Yaku, exactly. You, That's why I'm think? arguing that they should be retaken because it's in the rule book. Yeah, it should. It should per the rules. But in the in the spirit of football, come on. Spirit of football, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Jakub, pl- do you agree with Burak? I mean, I'm I'm going to disagree with him just to piss him off. <laughs> 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 no, but um, you know, I I to be to be fair, I I always thought that you know this um, rule was a was a weird rule. Yeah. But I I do think that. 
um, if it's if it's rebounded by the keeper, so if it's saved by the keeper, and then a player that uh, that that went into the box got it, it should be retaken. But if you if you just keep on watching and keep on calling uh, it, calling for a retake every time that a player um, gets into the box, uh, probably you'll you'll have like a penalty in the 40th minute, and you'll have like at a time 15 minutes because you just keep keep retaking it. Um, I don't know. I I, I, I kind of agree with uh, with Khan. If they if they want to make a point out of it, then they need to start giving out yellow cards every single time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only the only time I've ever seen that happen was when Atiba got uh, two yellow cards for stepping on the goddamn line. How did he dare to do that though? Oh yeah, how did he dare to do that? Ask Halis Uskaya. Anyway, uh, let's uh, stay in the relegation zone for a bit here. Malatya Sport Ankaraguju. Malatya Sport again in uh, our bonus episode on uh, the transfers. We spoke about this. Malatyaspor might be having to look down because they had a good first half of the season. Obviously, didn't win a lot of matches in those la- in the last uh, five, six uh, match stretch or so. But they had a good first half of the season. Had a good little run in Europe. Got cut short, unfortunately, because there's no VAR in uh, the Europa League pl- qualifiers, and they always should have had a penalty against Partizan. But um, yeah, now. Things going from bad to worse for them. They're losing at home to Ankaragücü. Not a particularly good game, in my opinion. Uh, I think this was the debut of Mustafa Resic Akçay as a new Ankaragücü coach, or was he already in charge last week? I think it was his debut. Hmm. Okay. So, big moments here. Uh, Mustafa Akbaş getting sent off because he handles a true ball. Uh, Urgil would have been... Uh, one-on-one with the goalkeeper. He sticks up his hand to slap that out of there. He's he's playing volleyball, uh, basically, and uh, gets sent off, red card, and then a fantastic goal by by Urgil after a good little uh, win in the middle of the park from uh, Thiago Pinto. Uh, They showed that a couple of times, I think maybe looking for a fall, but for me that was just a good good steal in the middle of the park. Um, But, yeah, Angrejiu with a very important win for them. Malatya Spor... What do you guys think? Are they going to be in trouble? Are they going to be involved in that relegation dogfight? <laughs> Burak is still seeding, so he's not uh, jumping in. <laughs> um, wait, what, did you say Malatya or Angaragiju? Malatya, yeah. Angaragiju, of course, are in the thick of things as it is anyway, but I think Malatya is for, um, yeah, they're yeah, in a Mal- dangerous Mal- position. Not really, though. They are not like, yet, but yeah, they are, they are, they are only they have like, to improve, and it, there's no signs of them improving anytime soon. Yeah, but you know, I I, I do think that um, Malatya is a decent team. Um, we lost talked their, to, lost their best players, Guillermo gone. Yeah, uh, Yahovich gone. gone. Yeah. yeah, no, but they, you know, they 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 got some players that um that when they have a good day, they are really good. But it's it's all filled with mention names. Um, I'm sorry. Mention names. <laughs> the, 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 the nine mili- the nine millimeter himself, Gökhan Töre. Um, you have oh, you have oh my god, <laughs> the legend, the legend from Kayseri. You have you know I, I, the, I, I the legends from Kayseri. Who who are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I and 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 they don't have like. Um, they they don't have the the, the biggest the, the hardest uh, schedule. Um, they play Galatasaray next week. Um, 
and then they uh, play Antalya Denizlispor and Konyaspor, who, who are all a bit shaky. Denizlis is mm. maybe a little bit okay, but I don't know. I, maybe I'm an optimist. Um, they even have fucking ECRDI. I didn't even know that. Holy shit. Yeah, but he's been there for like two years and he hasn't played almost. A single minute. Yeah, it's like Musa So at Gaziantep. Uh, who was released, by the way, in the January window? But I don't know, man. Antalya Sport—they're gonna—they're gonna be eager to win. They bought, bought a lot of quality. Um, who else did you say? Denizli Sport for me—that's a—that's I don't see—I don't see this Malatya Sport beating Denizli Sport. And uh, yeah, Konya Sport—we'll talk about it a little bit later. But they might have a little breath of fresh air going through that club. So I wouldn't be—I wouldn't be surprised if Malatya Sport in the next uh, four games. Uh, doesn't get more than, than just a handful, yeah, just a couple of points. If if that, I wouldn't be surprised if they left with zero points from that uh, from that schedule. I mean, I I think the biggest strength they have is that they have Kemal Uzdesh as as a, as a coach. Yeah, good coach, true. You know, yes. so so they have something that they can build on, I, and I don't know, I don't know what 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 place did they finish last year. Were they also like in the relegation zone? Uh, no, no, no. They were like top ten. They were even competing for. Well, they went to Europe. So what? Uh, what was it like? Fifth or sixth? I guess that they ended. Um, they to the la- last year they ended the league um, in tenth, tenth position. No, fifth, fifth, fifth. So you know, it, it it can still happen. They 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 aren't that much off of last year. They they had forty seven points in in uh, in all games. Yeah, no, but uh, it's, it's hard. But I think it's I think it's doable. I don't think so. I'm I'm not that confident on them. Uh, Burak, what do you think? Um, they don't have a bad goalkeeper and centre back. So you've got Mina and Farnell, who I think on their day Farnell can make some good saves. Mm-hmm. And Mina is quite an impressive figure at the back. And if that fails, then Farnell will just uh, step off his line. <laughs> before the, before a penalty kick is taken, and they won't have it retaken. Yeah, that should have been retaken. You're you're right, Burak. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. but uh, but don't forget they've got superstar Ruben Yolchin, who will score the odd banger, but That's then true. disappear for like five or six games. But but do you so, think those uh, the the replacements for Yahovic though, are, and 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 did they replace Guillerme? Because they got in Umut and they got in uh, that uh, that that ice what is it ice uh, Finn or or Finland yeah, or Chalkson something yeah from, from I stuff hmm, I think they're lesser quality replacements and they've still got to adapt to playing in an extremely yeah. toxic football league um, which the other players would have been used to yeah. so I think by the time they've kind of got their f- their feet under the table it's already going to be halfway through the the second half of the second part of the season mm. but I, I think there's just a little bit too much quality there for them to to go down I think they're still above the likes of Kasson Pasha Kaiseri Antalya Konya um, even Ankara Guji to, to some extent who I think are are quite poor Always, they had a very important win this weekend but I think um, get the Garth Strike game out of the way for Malacha and then we'll see if um Kamalusdesh can work some magic to at least get them to safety. I think they can forget maybe um, a top half finish, but you know somewhere between eleventh and fourteenth is probably what they're 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 looking at, unless they completely dive bomb mm-hmm. and start playing the level of football that we're seeing from Kaiser Kasimpasha and the others around the area. I mean, I think I think the biggest thing is that they lost Guillermo at like the end of the transfer period. 
so they didn't really have a guy to 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 yeah, replace them with. They knew that was coming, though. They know yeah, I, they... I, I I I think my honest opinion, I think that uh, Adil Gevrek just thought that he could like strong arm problems for and. I, I honestly think that he thought for some reason that Guillermo was going to be forced to stay. But, you know, even 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 if he went uh, in, in a normal way, they they lose a big, big attacking presence, you know, with Guillermo gone. And you need and, to keep in mind they, they had Alexic too last season, who was really good for them. Both of those uh, yeah, stars for them now, Guillermo yeah. and Alexic, were their, their two big guys last season. Both were gone. I don't. Yeah, there's seven points above the drop-off zone right now, and that's fine for the moment. But I, I think they're going to be struggling. I think they're going to be in that dogfight, um, especially if Konya spoiled with the spoiler alert with the new coach, uh, who because Konya sacked their well sacked or mutually terminated their agreement with uh, with Aykut Kojaman after they, they, their nil-nil draw. Good, good things do happen in the world, guys. Just keep believing. <laughs> And <laughs> well, I'm of course, with that win now, uh, within striking distance, three points off of Konya. So Konya feeling the ha- the the warm breath of Ankarikju in their necks. So let's talk a little bit about Konya Spore. Was it time to uh, cut the Aikut Kojaman era short uh, after the bad results that uh, they have had this season? But you know, I think if you look at it and step back and look at where they came from, his first stint, of course. Third place finish, cup win, super cup win. Then he went back to Fenerbahce. And then he came back to Konya after a season. And really ever since he's come back, they haven't been able to recapture that uh, that, 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 that schwung, that form. Um, plus, I mean, he doesn't really have an excuse because all of the players, he had 100% say in the, the transfer policy of Konya Spor. And most of them were still there from his first stint. So it is on him, right? I mean, you know, as as a guy that numerously on, on, on like several occasions has said that I don't like Ipujaman, um they did their 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 schedule is maybe the, the worst of all. Um I'm looking at now their win, their last win was on January seventeenth against Ankara Guju. And the win before that, the last win before that was in October. So they went like a solid three months without the win. But um, if you just take a look, they played against Fenerbahce, against Serbili, Sivas, Besiktas, like all after each other. Then they played Basakshir, Trabzonspor and Alanyaspor. And then a week after that, they played Galatasaray. So they, they, they do have like a horrible, horrible schedule. But, you know, num- numbers don't lie as... as, as um, uh, as I said, and yeah, you know, he, he should be the one that is uh, held accountable for, for how the team is doing. But I, I honestly don't think that um, any other any other manager would, would do better, you know. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of people just figured out how Aykut Kajuman lets his teams play. You know, the, the, the lockdown defense, just the park the bus defense. So maybe, yeah, but we haven't seen that this season because they they they're they're defending this season hasn't been good, you know. It's it's just Serkan making one save after the other, and uh, they're just completely relying on him right now. Mm. Yeah, I'd, and I'd and just, on I'm... top of that, they 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 struggle tremendously with scoring goals. 
Yeah. I mean, but, when you look at the team, they don't have like a really bad team, to be on honest. On paper, but... yeah. Baich, one goal in 17 matches, if I'm not mistaken. Their new striker now, Turam, shows a lot of spirit, shows tenaciousness. Uh, but only uh, four matches, no goals yet. Um, yeah, there's just not enough quality there, I think. And at, at the end of the day, Aykut Kojaman was in charge of the transfer policy. He decided who to get and who not to get. I think Konya do have a little bit of money to spend because of their performances in recent years. So they should have just invested more, I think. And of course, Burak, you know firsthand that Aykut doesn't like to work with uh, big stars. But does he go a little bit too much on the obscure Balkan signings? Um, I don't I don't think so. I just think, like um, like Jakob said, you know, Eichel's got a, a particular style of football which is defensive. And he's actually said this himself. I think he was was quoted recently saying, you know, that the football is too attacking in the in the Super League. You have to focus on building from the back and having a a solid base. And you look at the defenders he's got there in I and Anicic, and you know Sarkan Kuntula in goal. So you would think that's you know a decent solid base for him. And then yeah, he's got some. Decent players, you know. I think um, Milosevic is a, is a good good player on his day. Um, he can cause teams a lot of trouble. But I just think, like you said, there's no one with. It's a really weird one because we've said they don't have the most horrendous team on on paper. They're just not performing, mm-hmm. and maybe it needs a new manager to inject some attacking life into them. Whether that's Someone like Unal Karaman, who has been linked with the job currently, and you know nothing clear yet. And I don't know what other managers would are out there and available right now to kind of uh, rejuvenate. Is is on their list apparently? I don't, I don't see. Him and uh, who else? Let me see. Because uh, you know, uh, shout out to our guy Konyaspor Pride on Twitter. Uh, great follower of Konya Spor, of course, and he has some connections at the club. Uh, so he said, uh, Afci or Yalcin uh, Keshuk Kavak or uh, Unal Karaman, those are the three main candidates. I'm not familiar with uh, Yalcin, but uh, of course, Abdullah Afci and, uh, and, and Unal Karaman are, uh, everyone will know those guys, of course. Uh, I mean, I think they could probably do with, like I say, I'm not too familiar with this Yalcin fellow. Either, but I if it was a choice of Avci or or Unal, I'd probably go Unal. Unal. Say, I, yeah. I, I think he's got he'll have more of a chip on his shoulder and more of a more of a point to prove. Yeah, not just that. Plus, he'll play more offensive football. He's more inclined to play offensive football. With Avci, you're getting a bit of the same. I think. Okay, he's not as defensive minded as Aykut is, but Avci's first tactic, or how should I put it, the first thing Avci does when he comes into a new club is try and uh, you know establish that defensive collective it's something that uh, Bruno Botaro uh, got out of him when he interviewed him uh, two or three years ago and that's something Avci said to him that his first focus the first season or so is to establish a you know a good cohesive defensive unit and I think 
Konya Sport fans are probably, yeah, they, they probably want something else right now. And maybe Udal Karaman could be the man for the job. But then again, they're in a very difficult position right now. 20 points um, from 21 matches, 3 points above the relegation drop-off. Not very good for them. Uh, that's not a job that's going to be easy, I think. Because the squad, I don't know. For me, the problem, even when they finished third, I think their main issue was they didn't really have really good players like Nate Skubic was performing tremendously in that period but then we've seen him have a quite some drop off like last season he wasn't impressing anyone this season he's he's been even less so impressive so yeah I don't know uh, those were the types of players that that did add something to that side and of course they had with Jagos Vukovic a very strong defender and I just don't think they ever really fully replaced him at the back uh yeah Anyway, let's uh, let's just, let's delve into something more uh, meat with something more meat on the bones now. Fenerbahce, Alanya Sport. This was, I think, the big talking point coming out of the weekend because there's a lot of controversy. Fenerbahce really upset uh, following the full time whistle, one one draw, of course. Um, three penalties we saw, uh, multiple penalty shouts. Uh, Alanya Sport got two penalties, missed twice, got a retake, um, and and scored that one, of course. Uh, Fenerbahce also scoring from the penalty spot through Max Kruse. First, let's let's talk a little bit about those penalty positions. The first one for Alanya, uh, the one for Fenerbahce, and the one, of course, the second one for Alanya. Uh, Burak, what did you think of those three penalties? Oh God, where where do we where do we start with this one? Well, the first one is the handball from Jarlson. Now. Uh, looking at it right now, the ball, I think the ball comes in from a, uh, a throw-in. Um, and it does, and then it comes off. I think it's Sissi tries to backheel it. Yeah. And, and Jarlson has got his hand out behind his back, trailing. Mm-hmm. And it hits his hand. And let's ignore the fact that if it doesn't hit his hand, it's going to go through to maybe another. Actually, it still ends up at the feet. I think it's Efejan. Yeah, ends up on at, at Efferjan's feet after hitting Charleston's hand, so he's not actually interfered with the trajectory of the ball at all. But you know, you can see it's quite clearly hit his trailing hand. Now, if we look at the um, the rule book, um, you could say that the hand has made the body unnaturally bigger because it's not down by his side. And it's trailing behind him. It's almost his arm is stretched out behind him, but the hand is underneath his ass. So it wasn't ridiculously high. No, wasn't ridiculously high. But we've seen those hand, those penalty positions given, but we've also seen them not given. And we looked at two similar positions earlier in the season: the Fenerbahce versus Antalyaspor game where I think it was Isla crossing a ball into the box. It comes off the Antalya Sport player's hand in a similar position. I think it's Diego, and that was no penalty. I don't think that went to VAR. And then you have the Alanya Besiktash, where it hits uh, Demba's hand. Atiba. Uh, Atiba's hand. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. We'll just think. I've just got. I've got them a bar up on my screen. Um, scoring his goals for um, Basakshir, and um, but and I think the Demba bar, the fucking Demba bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like you call me Burak Gilman, isn't it? 
<laughs> it's the the Utiba and the Jalson positions mm-hmm. are more more similar to each other. The Antalya sport position is still quite similar because the player's hands stretched out behind him. Now, two of those weren't given as a penalty, and this was given as a penalty. Now, where I have the issue is the ineptitude and incompetence of Turkish referees to not be able to get anything consistent. But looking at that from the letter of the law, you could argue that Jarlson's trading hand has made his body unnaturally bigger because it's behind him. Now, obviously, that's a running motion, and it's more it's more defined because you can actually see the ball strike his hand, and then his hand moves yeah. when you look at it in slow motion. So, but it's does not it like... move? Does it move toward the ball, or does it move because the ball hits his hand? That's something I had some difficulty with. You know, when I was watching, I wasn't really sure. Like, because does he does he like flinch and hit it on on purpose, or is he like ah, does it just hit his hand and his hand naturally reacts? You know, because of course a ball coming in at some speed, it's gonna have a. You know. It looks like when it, it's back heeled and he's just his arms coming down, just the motion of the arm coming down while you're you're running, mm-hmm. and it's it slaps his hand, and because of the hand slap, it's more accentuated. To, to someone and for me I have like okay no issue of that being a penalty um, but like you said the early positions in the season and the, the throbs on one last week when it came off uh, the guy's hand when we take a uh, took a shot at the end now if we look at the the penalty save by Altai now People have been replaying this backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and you know that they have one position where the ball is coming off Cisse's foot, and Altai is about ten centimeters off the line, and then if you rewind it by a couple of fractions of a second, you have Cisse's boot making initial contact with the ball, and it looks like Altai's line is Altai's foot is still on the line. So that's the kind of like millimeters we're talking about here. Yeah. He um, has that reputation now, of course, because of. How, yeah, how how gross his uh, infraction was in that Malatya game, I guess, and I I, I think that's that's working against him here, because this one was definitely not as obscene as uh, as that that previous one, because that there I think there he was like one meter or one and a half meter off his line already by the time the ball was struck, and it was definitely not the case here. Yeah, the previous one was just like just horrendously, you know, okay, really far off the line. This one. You know, there was. You know, they say you know a, a cat's whisker or a hair's breadth or those like mm-hmm. stupid sayings that we have. <laughs> it's like one. It's, it's and, like, and where do you where do you draw the line? Because you do. I think you do have to give the goalkeeper. Because if you're if you're gonna make if you're gonna be so strict on this, that goalkeepers are not going to be willing to even do anything until the ball is actually struck. Uh, it's it's you're making the goalkeeping job extra difficult. I think you get got to give them a little bit of leeway. I feel. Well, you know, we have to. We can only go on what the referee should show, unfortunately. And then you have, um, you know, I talked about about that. And then you have our our penalty decision. So, mm-hmm. so I think with that one. I'm trying to 
remember because I'll, I'll have been yeah so... initially initially I thought it was it wasn't a penalty to be fair I thought it was just Rodriguez fa- feels him in his back and just goes down willingly but then if you look at the replay and you slow it down you can see clearly that the defender has like his 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 forearm pushing against Rodriguez's back and then he like instantly lifts it up with his both his arms in the air like oh I didn't touch him I didn't touch him but you can clearly see that uh, that he's pushing him down with his forearm a little bit so for me that's that's, that's a penalty and that's directly into the back of the player in a box so more often than not and the Alanya player is coming in with some speed and Gary's only a little guy anyway so he's going to go down so to me that's like okay that's but that's not always enough as we saw uh what was it last week oh yeah with old uh donk and uh pedro enrique let's yeah. <laughs> get booted off the pitch so again you, you never know what the referee's gonna do and what, what he's gonna give on um any given day so for that you know no issue with that being given as a uh a penalty um in the back cruiser dispatching it quite well um, we had a couple of good chances after that. Uh, Veda had a few chances. We had Cruiser before the penalties, I think, you know, had a couple of good chances. And then you, what happens is it, it's 1-1. We've had a penalty shout not given um, before then as well, where Wellington goes up to give a, like a volleyball one shit, as they call it, which I think should have been a penalty. But let's come back to that afterwards. And then you've got Jelson just... You know, it's back to the Jelson of the first couple of weeks, just silly mistakes. I'm not sure if it's because he's still a little bit naive or um, he just like lost his head a little bit, but you can't tackle like that in a box. You know, he just sticks his leg out, the the player goes over the ball, and, you know, I have no issue with that being a penalty. That's like one of the most obvious ones you can see. Yeah. He quite clearly kicks the player's leg. And then Cissé steps up and, and misses it. I think... Um, <laughs> He was having a fight with his teammate, wasn't he? Uh, Bacasetas. yeah. Apparently, Bacasetas was supposed to take the penalty. Somebody is uh, has to mute their mic, by the way. Um, yeah, Bacasetas was supposed to take the penalty, apparently. And uh, I, I saw a stat that uh, Cisa has missed five of his last seven penalties or something. Maybe, as well, after missing that first one, he should have let the honors go to someone else and especially not claim that second one. That's very... I mean, for me, Cisa was just being... Uh, if I were, were in charge of the line, I would find him. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. So and then you, you can do, you can see though he was, I mean, you know why he missed because he was trying to put it high so Altai couldn't get it, and the fact that Altai saved his first one definitely put him off. Yeah. So he's the second attempt. Um, again, and it, it it went quite high, the second one. So he was trying to repeat that, I think. But you know, he just he lost it a little bit and and missed. And then you know we come down to the the two penalties that weren't given to to Fenerbahce. So we've got the first one, which was the um the, was the, hand- the, the first one was in the first half, I think, though, wasn't it the Bayano one? Oh, though you mean the Wellington. Oh, Wellington, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so that's the one where I think the, the ball comes down from across and we have Sardaras is challenging for the ball. Um, yeah, you say he's corner. pushing down. Um, he has his on, arm on, on, his, on his shoulder, yeah. And, you know, that's going up for a, for a challenge. No foul given. And the ball comes down, hits Wellington's arm and goes off. And yeah, okay. His arm is on his body, though. Is it really? 
I mean, if if you cut off his two arms, he's just gonna hit his dick. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hey, you, you're calling people a Donald Lupich, I can't say dick, right? <laughs> well, this is an 18 no, plus I, one. I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to put an R rating on this one. No, I, I, I don't think that's a penalty. Beep. Well, you know, the the ball drops out of me there, and okay, you you could argue. You he know, goes uh, up for a header, though. You can clearly see that he, he even makes the heading motion. I don't think he gets it, uh, but you can also then see that Sederazis is pushing down on his shoulders. But there was no foul given yeah. for that. Yeah. So if it, if it was a foul, and you know the referee should have think, hang on, he's handballed it. I'm just gonna give a foul because Sederazis has has challenged him. So if you're looking at the lawyer, you, you could argue that you know the um, uh, the hand arm is close to the body and does not make the body unnaturally bigger. So okay, let's give you that one. Um, from it's not usually a fence if the ball touches a player's hand arm. Then you have the one right at the end of the match, which is the one that a lot of people have been discussing and talking about. Mm-hmm. And we've had backwards and forwards about this. We've spoken to. In other people got the opinions of other journalists and referees that's been talked about for yeah for, for the record everyone i've asked gives me the same answer now and these are these are people that have nothing to do with turkish football mind you yeah so you know you, you have to you know take their opinions into consideration but it's you're looking at a position the, the ball comes in so even looking at this full speed you're looking at this uh Ball is crossed in from the the right hand side by by Fenerbahce. Mm-hmm. It comes off a, I think Alanya Spor player. I can't know. I don't know who it is. Yeah, um, Vedat uh, goes in for the shot, gets blocked with a sliding tackle, jumps up and hits uh, Pektimek's arm. Yeah, so you have Pektimek going forward, and is it, it, some of our viewers watch wrestling, right? So imagine you're going to clothesline someone. So you've got your, your your arm is out and it's ready. You know the guys come back off the ropes and you're just looking at him, thinking, "Come on!" And you know it's like a clothesline slash lariat. And what he does, yeah, he just like hits the ball with his his outstretched arm. And yeah, I, I don't know how how it can be more clearer than that being a penalty based on the the hand making the body an unnaturally bigger. Yeah, and that's where I asked the referee about what I asked the referee about, and I, I found their interpretation of that rule uh, interesting. Let's uh, hear it. I love yeah, interpretations. Let's, I love it. Uh, let's let's read it. So this is uh, coming from Dutch referee Jan Ter Hamel from uh, DutchReferee.com. He has a blog, and he he's doing a giveaway right now, I think, as well for something. So go check that out. Uh, so. I sent him the footage of this. I didn't send him pictures or anything. I sent him the full footage, the full uh, length footage, and I asked him to give his opinion on it. Uh, so this is what he said. I translated it from Dutch. The ball's, traje- the ball's trajectory is away from goal. That's the first point he makes. The only thing you might uh, might call for for is the hand slash arm has made the body unnaturally bigger, like Burak said. The idea behind this, if you t- make your body unnaturally bigger, then it doesn't matter if the ball comes in from close range. You're committing an offense 
Yeah, so you're committing an offense. What makes this particular situation unique and also tricky is that the player, so Pectamek in this case, is being brought off balance by the player in fr by the players in front of him. You can also see, of course, that he tumbles down afterwards. The reaction with his uh, the, the reaction with his arms to attempt to balance himself to me is a natural uh, movement. Especially given the distance to the situation and the unexpected trajectory change, I would not award a penalty for this, is what his conclusion was. Um, yeah, so his interpretation is he's being brought off balance, which you can clearly see. It's not like you, know, like you gave the example of the clothesline, but when you're going for a clothesline, your attempt is to actually clothesline someone. You can't say that that's the intention here. Like, this, he's... He has no clue where that ball is coming from. That arm is not there to stop the, the ball. That, that arm is purely there to balance himself. He also said some other stuff, by the way, that the, 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 but that I couldn't really make anything out of that because he said something like the, the, the arm being like in line with his body or something and then it's, it's underneath the, the shoulder still and stuff like that. But I, I, yeah. anyway... Um, but yeah, so his main takeaway was that this is not an unnatural position because the player is trying to balance himself, trying to stay upwards, not not to not to fall. So there, the interpretation of this unnaturally bigger becomes different again. Where we, I think, all when we we read that, we think, oh, okay, so the rule is that you can't like stand out with your arms spread, so you can't like make a you know, a bigger field to block the ball, basically. But his interpretation as a, as a ref here is that the unnatural, uh, unnatural, making your body unnaturally bigger doesn't just apply to giving yourself more of a, of a chance to blocking a ball, but also the arm being in an unnatural position at the time of the, of the motion, if you understand what I mean. Oh, I understand what you're trying to say. It's the... The arm is in a natural position for what's happening to him. So he's he's tumbling, and the natural a natural human reaction would be to put your arm out to the side to kind of get ready to cushion your fall or mm -hmm. to kind of balance yourself. So, but at the at the same time as that being a natural position to take, based on the the movement of your body. It's also made your body unnaturally bigger at the same time. So it's two things happening at the same time. So that's where, you know, as a, as a referee, you have to think, okay, this is my, my opinion would be, okay, on one hand, his arm's out to the side, and mm -hmm. that, that constitutes making your body unnaturally bigger. On the other hand, your hand is out to the side because you're, you're falling off balance, Mm -hmm. And your arm is out to the side to maintain some kind of balance and maybe get ready to to break your fall or get ready for some kind of impact. Yeah. So it, which one which one do you go for? Yeah. That is that's that's a tough thing. But for me that's, true. Yeah. that's like the fact that it's made the body unnaturally bigger takes precedence. Because, yeah, but the, then, then we, yeah, that's that, that's the thing, you know. How do the referees interpret this unnaturally bigger thing? Like, is he making his body really unnaturally bigger, given that the given that the arm is is not? Because I think what what 
what what the interpretation here is is if you're making it unnaturally bigger would your arm usually not be there in this situation do you understand what i mean so are you actually making your body unnaturally bigger because the motion you're currently going through your arm has no business being there in a natural movement that's their that's the interpretation from the referee that i'm that I'm, what I gather from, from his statement here. And I just wanted to illustrate that, look, the, this whole spiel in Turkey is, of course, that the referees are, are you know, against Team A or B or whatever. But this is a completely independent Dutch referee, has no connections to Turkish football, and he does follow the decision made here by the ref. So I'm just trying to point out that, look, the referee's decision here aren't necessarily malicious. And there is... This isn't a black and white case of I, you know, understand what I mean? No, I understand what you mean. But where you have these decisions consistently going against you, so let's say the two handballs in this game. So okay, we've discounted the the manchette by Wellington. You know, giving the the setup to Marion Bos to spike it to take the girls to you know Tokyo twenty twenty, and then you've got Mustafa Tech. Peck to make here turning into um, you know JBL with a clothesline from hell, and then previously you've got the throbs on sport match last week where you have the incident with the goal not being given for the supposed foul by Cruiser on Urujan, and then the penalty that wasn't given for the the ball that struck the player's hand that went off the the pitch. Mm-hmm. Then you go back to the the Marafona instant coming off his line, a penalty retake not being given. Yeah. Then you go back to uh, the. Final, yeah. Yeah, then you go back to the ontology sport again. Again, similar position to what we had with Atiba and um, Jarlson, you know, Isla getting the ball in. But so you have to but, think, why are there so many mistakes and, and why is VAR not being consulted? Or mm-hmm. as, as in, why is VAR not coming? I'm not but saying are the mistakes, why... Are the, but I, isn't, is maybe part of the problem as well that Fenerbahce are focusing too much on these mistakes? I mean... Well, well, we should be focusing on the fact that we are not finishing our chances. Veda is being made to come too deep each game to to get the ball. Whereas you look at someone like Serloff, he's getting the, the service and putting the goals in. Whereas we're playing a different kind of football with our, you know, Tolga on the bloody mm-hmm. wing. He's not a winger. And, and yeah. Gary, with his lack of ability to put good crosses in. He has done a few, but not as many as, say, a, an Ekoban or a Abdul Qadir Palmark when he was fit or a Nwakayeme with his assists. But when you have so many refereeing decisions going against you, you can understand why the team is getting frustrated and more frustrated. And I, I 100% agree, uh, uh, understand and agree that, with that, but I think you're not the only team that are having consistently poor decisions going against them. But then also, those same teams will have certain occasions where where the refereeing really went in their favor. And I'm sure if you look objectively at Fenerbahce's entire season, there have been moments where they were on the receiving end of, of a very favorable call. And the same thing goes for any other team, by the way. And and yeah, definitely Fenerbahce are, are highlighting... And there there's definitely yeah lots of situations where Fenerbahce are highlighting these, these situations where 
yeah, you, you can definitely make a case for it. But then as well, I think at, at other points, they're making flies out of elephants out of positions that aren't mistakes. And everything is getting added on top. Like, for example, uh, we'll get to this later, but Gaziantep are, are, are for example, uh, doing the same thing right now, of course, at a much lesser scale. But it's... it's yeah, it's it, it's it's the standard. The standard of refereeing is without a doubt poor in Turkey. Um, but I think one of the big mis- well, one of the, it's, it's a natural reaction, of course, that you're going to compare the referee's performance in this game to other referees. I think this referee did an okay job. I don't think he had a gross mistake. Uh, the first penalty for, for you know the handball by Charlton, my first inclination was, yeah, it's a penalty, a stonewall penalty. But then the more I look at it, I'm like, that is a very unexpected ball coming in from that back heel, you know. So it's it's, I don't think it's deliberate. And then you have to go into that, like when I read the referee's statement here, on uh, you know, the natural movement basically, is Charlton making a natural movement? I I think he might be. So it's. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, th- this is not. This wasn't a screw job. I think. I think he. I think Vince. Vince was in his ear. He's <laughs> like, don't, don't do it. It's not a penalty. Don't give it. Don't give it to us, Turk, or you're dead. Don't you dare. <laughs> anyway. I think that is what was coming in yep. in via his ear. Alienated half of our fans now. Exactly, we lost him. I think you know the ref. He tried to let the the game flow, and we we bought Faraday on, and I think he was very ineffective. Maybe the the occasion kind of got to him with the the atmosphere and everything. You could argue maybe he didn't have enough time, but he was he was a ghost when he came onto the pitch. Um, Dennis did okay. He put in some okay crosses, but again, some of his corners were woeful and poor. So I'm not sure if he hadn't got warmed up to the pace of the the game yet. And you have to remember that Alanya are are a very good side. Yeah, top seven. At at home. And the way they've got a very good coach and uh, a very good set of players that play some very good football. They defended with a very high line. They pressed us very early in the game. They nearly went one nil ahead because of a, a mistake from Ozan, who got, you know, got caught ball watching and luckily Altai was quite good in his, his one-on-one situation and then we had a few more chances and Alani just defended well, you know, Cruz had a chance he missed, Fed had a couple of chances and Gary had a few shots from outside the box that were that found the target but didn't do any damage. And it's the same story as last week again, I think Fenerbahce played a decent enough game, create enough chances and get screwed by the referee <laughs> but don't put them away, you know. The the, the efficiency of, of Fenerbahce might be a little bit of an issue as well. Like you said earlier, you know, they're creating the chances, but they're not finishing them right now. Um, I, I definitely don't, like, this is back-to-back uh, losses of points for Fener now, of course, but I'm not seeing a team that's playing poorly. But, I, yeah, I think that Fener are kind of having that type of a season where, yes, there's the, the right mentality, there's the right spirit, but sometimes they just lack a bit of quality, and then I think you're you're just looking a little bit too much for penalties. I, I I've seen the same with with with, with Bishkek this season, especially on the Afche, where there's just too much 
ineptitude to score yourself, and Fenner don't have it to, to that extent. But and then you then you're looking for penalties around every corner. Whereas a team that's scoring, you know, easily every match, like a Trabzonspor right now, they don't have those 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 big controversies because they are that strong and able to take make a difference, you know, without needing a penalty which shouldn't be which shouldn't be i mean if you if if it's a penalty it's a penalty you shouldn't be earning it i think that's one of the big things that have always annoyed me about referees where i sometimes feel like a referee decides and now it's more difficult with var of course but i i so often i feel like a ref decides not to give a penalty because in his head they don't deserve it the team doesn't deserve it they're not playing well enough you know, in the spirit of the game, they don't deserve to get a penalty, even if it's a stonewall penalty. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Um, I, I do. I do think there's just been a lot of too many systematic errors in our games for it to be considered a a coincidence or a a bad day at the office. And we we wait to see what's gonna what's gonna happen. You've got the Ankara Guju uh, chairman has now come out to say, "Oh, I hope you know this doesn't affect our game with Fenerbahce at the weekend." And it's yeah. every day some, something is happening in, in this league and it's becoming just less and less um, fun to watch. Yeah. But that's, of course, I mean, that's understandable what the Ankaragücü chairman says, of course, because Fenerbahçe are making a big fuss out of it, right, rightfully or not. Uh, I'll leave that in the middle. But, of course, that's putting pressure on the referee for the next game. And we have seen, like, before the... The derby against Besiktas, a lot of pressure was being put on the refs, and they did get favorable calls there, you know, or non calls. Well, you know, we just we just gonna have to wait and see what the the Ankara game brings. Hopefully, a a good game of football with no controversy, but you can't seem to escape it with no, with Turkish yeah. football. Nothing. It just comes. <laughs> it, it just comes down to an absolutely spineless. Uh, Turkish Football Federation and the completely inept um, Marcus Hakem Kuruluşu like a referees association that complete- yeah it's like, it's like this 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 Beşiktaş Gustepe match you know for the Kural Hatas we're almost two weeks in still no decision uh, I, I have the feeling like they're like they're waiting to see how Beşiktaş do in these uh, upcoming weeks which uh, they have some tough fixtures ahead of course with uh, Başakşehir Trabzonspor uh, so maybe if Mishnesh lose those games, they'll be like, oh, sure, you get your replay. Because <laughs> um, it doesn't matter anymore anyway. We wait to see, so we just have to have to, to wait, what hap- wait and see what happens, but it's just um extremely poisonous season of, of Turkish football so yeah. far, and it's going to get worse, folks, so strap in and buckle up. Yeah, let's uh, talk a bit about, about the team in form right now. The league leaders, Trabzonspor, they won nil uh, two away at Gençlerbirliği at the weekend. Uh, but some stuff happened here too, some controversial stuff. Uh, Alexander Sorlot got sent off uh, after uh, an altercation with Bayano, who uh, was kicking him repeatedly. Uh, Sorlot turned around, pushed the guy uh, in the face. Uh, but it was not really a punch or anything, which people are trying to make out of it, I feel like. Um, and, of course, uh, I, I'm not 100% sold on the penalty Trabzonspor got. Um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that first. Uh, Jakub, yeah, what did you think uh, from <laughs> of, of the red card to Serlot and uh, the, 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 ba- the, the fallout on, on social media as well? I just... I just hate 
hates Turkish uh, Turkish football right now. As Burak just said, it's just so fucking unbelievable. Um, it honestly kind of l- looks and sounds like somebody wrote like a fanfic, and <laughs> it, it's playing out. It, it it really rivals things that you can see in the WWE. I don't. I I just can't understand why we have to have, uh, you know, controversial decisions, controversial moments every week, and I'm 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 really getting tired of this. To feed all the talk shows. Yeah, I don't. What is Erman Torolo and Ahmed Chaka supposed to talk about otherwise? I mean, I don't. I don't listen to them anyway. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't care less what they said. Um, I just like it whenever they talk shit about Ali Koch, so I just retweet them every now and then. But you know. It's, yeah, at, um, at Marofolo Jakub uh, on Twitter, yeah, by the way. Find me right away. Um, I need some followers. I need that dopamine hit when uh, when people follow me. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, the, the situation with Sirlot, um before we even get to that, um, there was a situation with the NDI in the first half. Did you? you I, I yeah. remember that you were yes. talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, for me, it's a red card. In my opinion, also a red card. Um, I honestly don't see how the position before that was even a foul. It was just a shoulder-on-shoulder tackle. Um, and I think that um, the same happened that happens um, in in our game against Fenerbahce yeah. with Pereira and Serdar Aziz. Yeah. That um, Ndiaye got exactly mad. Exactly the same. Exactly the same yeah. thing. Ndiaye got mad and he was like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? I didn't even do anything. But he, he clearly headbutts him. Um, I, I mean, I don't even want to call his head, but it's it's pretty much the same that Serdar Aziz did. Yeah, pushing just, his head forward basically, yeah. but it's a it's a headbutting motion, which yeah. uh, I've I've always been told red card. No, but I'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm going to say also a red card. So that's maybe been a maybe, red the, card. maybe this is also uh, usually. Huh? <laughs> yeah, but, we, but he got a yellow card for this, so that means the referee saw it. Yeah, just put just put fake terms in the in the AFA blues and. Um, you can you could always uh, you know. And that's at nil nil like. in the first half, by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's at nil nil in the first half, so it could have been a different match if uh, NDI gets sent off there. Yeah, it was like in the 18th minute. Um, but um, yeah, the the big talking point in this game is obviously um, uh, the Serlot situation, which was such a fucking weird position uh, to start with. Um, You've, you've reached your uh, cap yeah. on the F word now. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I had too much sugar, you know, and uh, it, it just, it, I'm, I'm starting to feel it. Um, I, I think that, um, first of all, when you, when you look at the situation just in real time, I, I first thought that Bayano should have been, you know, carded before even Sirlot uh, became, ang- became angry. Mm-hmm. But um, when you look at what he did after that, um, I thought it was like a, a hitting motion. Um, it could also be like a shove, but it, it kind of looked... Yeah, it is a hitting motion, but he gets his face. I don't know if that even, you know, defines it in a certain way. It's a push for me, but uh, Sir Lot is a giant and Bayano isn't. So, you know, I mean, instead of pushing him in the chest, they pushed him in the face. I mean, I, I thought it was a red card, but only because mm-hmm. he pushed him in the face. You know, if he, if yeah. he pushed him in the chest or whatever, I would have said a yellow card. But um, It was a know, pretty I, forceful push, so I think yeah. a red card is uh, warranted here. You know, but, but, but the controversial point comes now that um, he goes to VAR, he first gives a yellow, mm-hmm. he goes to VAR, and then he looks at the position, and he still doesn't give... I, I, I do think that Bayano deserved the red because he kicked him twice really yeah. hard on the leg. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, sure, I, I kind of agree with him giving Sirlo the red. But if you're going to give Sirlo the red, uh, you have to also, also give Bayano that I just don't understand how we might have been called up to the uh, called up by the VAR just for the situation that uh, that Sirlot created and not Bayano. It, yeah, it, 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 it's just weird. Yeah, it should have been both players should have gotten red card there, I think. Uh, Buak, what do you think as a man of law? Well, Bayano was violent play and set was Sirloth, so I think hmm. you, you, you've got to send both of them off. And I don't know how you can see it any other way apart from that. Yeah, <laughs> personally. Yeah, pretty conclusive. What What did you think of uh, Trabzonspor's penalty? By the way, I, I don't think that's a penalty. Um, I think um, the against uh, that player gets to the ball, and the Trabzonspor player kicks his leg, and so, he he and he goes down and the the referee goes to VAR, looks at it on the screen and gives a penalty. I mean, it's this isn't like... The most clear example of this I can find is the, the Besiktas Fenerbahce match last year, which I go back to where I think it's when Hassan Ali kicks Kukangunov's yeah. foot. Yeah, and, and, leg, leg I think. Yeah. And you can say, okay, you know, Hassan Ali has been slow there, Gukan's got the ball and Hassan has clearly kicked his foot. And you can clearly see it on the VAR, where it was on this one. You can see that the it's the Trabzon player that has gone to kick the ball, um, missed because the ball's not there, and he's kicked the Gevsarbiri player's foot. And doesn't he hit the ball though? I think he might have hit the ball, but I mean, I, I want I wanted to interject and say I I, I can understand Khan maybe not seeing this because he uses like the nineteen forty five black screen TV. I but, was watch I watched it on my laptop too. But I, I I can't understand how you Burak just didn't see that uh, Hussein does get the ball. He he first gets the ball and then he gets kicked by Nader Chifcha, I think. But does Nader really? Because Nader's leg is up there, and I feel like like uh, who's kicking? Is it Campi or who is it? Uh, Hussein. Same yeah, so he's volleying. Nadir's foot is up in the air already, and I feel like uh, Hussein's the one kicking Nadir's foot. Yes, but uh, it's the Genshtar player who studs up. I'm going to send a picture to the group so you can both watch. Mm-hmm. You can see it's we... like uh, it's like a dangerous uh, play. Like uh, the studs are all all the way up and. Uh, Hussein tries to kick the volley, but hits the studs instead. Yeah, so Hussein that is the one that's that's kicked against that bearded player's foot. Hussein, so, Hussein already got the ball. So he's kicked the um the guy's foot. I don't see how that's a penalty. But the, but the foot is already up there. I, I For me, it's not a penalty either. <laughs> I don't know. And I've seen other people say it's 100% penalty. And it's I don't know. It's a penalty. For me, it's not a penalty. I don't know. <laughs> you cannot uh, pull your studs up like that, that high. He's just... His foot is up in the air, man. Your studs are going to be up. I mean, it's not like he's pointing his studs at the Trabzon player. His foot is just he, up there. He is pointing the studs up in the Trabzon player. What are you no, talking about? No, 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 no. Hussein's going for a volley from a different angle. Are we all going crazy except, you know, Umut and me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that might be it. I think that's can I, it, can boys. Can I get you some prescription glasses or something like that? You cannot pull your studs up like that. You know, it's it's you know. But but 
Usain's studs are also up, huh? I mean... No, he's on laces. He's trying to hit the ball. Whoa. Yeah, he's trying to hit the ball, yeah, but... Uh, Umut is... Uh, or whatever. Is it Umut? Nadir? Nadir. Nadir's also trying to hit the ball with the side of his foot. No, with the studs. No, I'm going he's, to... He's I'm not going to even he's trying to hit... He's not even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Go ahead. He's just pulling his uh, uh, leg up, like, trying to defend... And, and let us know your opinion, at Futi Alaturka. Did you think it was a penalty? Yes or no? Oh, um, I have to mention <laughs> that, that that fantastic Nwakaeme goal, by the way. Really good goal. Yeah, really really great pass by uh, by Serlo to put it, uh, put it just, like, in front of him perfectly. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and strong work in the build-up, too, from Serlo. Yeah, and... Uh, the controversial position with Serlot, um, we just kind of passed by. Um, it, it it had a fallout on social media because everything nowadays has to have a fallout on social media. Mm. Um, <laughs> there were some messages from from Bayano to to Serlot saying that um, you know he kind of lost his cool. It wasn't it wasn't um, in his nature to do stuff like this, and. Um, he um, he had a statement on his Instagram in Turkish, I think, um, and then he 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 got Serlot's number and he messaged them asking uh, asking if he was it, if he was Serlot, and um, yeah, as as I said on Twitter, Trabzonspor had a hard time going to Trabzon because of the because of the snowfall, so it took like a full day before they could go to Trabzon with a bus. And Solo uh, responded to him, telling him that um, you know it's it's fine. What happened happened, and that the only the only reason why he pushed him was because he got kicked uh, so hard on the leg. Yeah, and he was trying to protect himself. Yeah, and and Bayano immediately like copy pasted a, a message to him saying that you know uh, my English isn't very very good. I'm not fluent and. Um, I want to say yeah, sorry. The timestamp was both like thirteen forty nine or something. Yeah, so I mean, that is of... that is some bullshit there. I mean, come <laughs> on. Yeah, so so a lot of people, including our very own Burak, have put on their detective glasses and said that how could a guy that is not fluent in English write like a whole paragraph uh, apologizing in like it's a good point, a but, nanosecond. Yeah. But then again, why would why would somebody put that out there? And I mean, Bayano could just I mean. Bayano could easily just shoot that down. And it's I mean, not it's me, it's the fake. easiest thing to refute. To refute, you know, yeah. um, so but, easy. I mean, that I mean, that is never happening because you you have to allow time to read the message in English, digest it, and then compose a fifteen line reply with no typos, maybe a little bit of dodgy grammar in there, but. You know, that is the biggest load of <laughs> bullshit um, ever, man. I mean, I know it's Oscar season, you know. I mean, you're, you're looking at maybe an award for best adapted screenplay there or maybe something. Maybe he had it uh, written already. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, the, there, there are two options. Either you are a reasonable person and you think like, okay, he went to the translator. He told him like, okay, this is what I want to say. Can you translate it for me? And the moment he got an answer from Serlot confirming that it was actually Serlot he just copy pasted it. On the other hand, there's a different uh, there's a different scenario. Um, Berat Albayrak, the, the big mastermind of, uh, of of the Turkish Football Federation, the uh, the financier, son-in-law of, of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the president of Turkey. Yeah, a known Trabzonspor fan, uh, the 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 minister of treasury. Um, he just you know he pulls the string. He tries to for some reason um, 
earned Trabzonspor some compassion on 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 Instagram. Ch- changes on his wife's number on his phone to uh, his name in in WhatsApp to to Bayano or Serlo. Yeah, something. I mean, then... I mean, wake up, sheeple! Obviously, this is just like a huge conspiracy conspiracy conspiracy, and you know. I'm 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 so I'm so done because I uh, I don't know if you guys uh, I I did put it in the group app. Um, Gesterbile put out a statement saying that um, Bayano had some racist things said against him, and I'm just so so done with this you know this this violent this uh, vocal group that for some reason thinks that a player should be called names and whatever. Yeah, the internet heroes. I'm I'm so done. Uh, with you know, with the, with the social media crowd, that just I, I I get it. I'm 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 okay with people complaining about certain players, but you know, racism is a is a line that you shouldn't cross. That that nobody should cross. Yeah. Not even as a joke. Even if you don't no. mean it, you shouldn't be saying those things. And you know, seeing seeing this after having that whole Obi Mikel thing blow up, I'm just you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I can't wait for this season to end. What what did you think of uh, Fenerbahce's statement on that? By the way, Burak. Were you? Uh... Excuse me. What did you think of Fenerbahce? Because we we said last week that we wanted Fenerbahce. Well, we expected Fenerbahce to make a statement on the whole fallout on on Obi Mikel getting some uh, racist uh, messages on his uh, in his DMs and stuff like that. What did you think of Fenerbahce's statement? Was it brilliant? Was statement. It okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Okay. Yeah. So you so you didn't take issue with the fact that Fenerbahce went from oh yeah this is wrong but. The real victims here are Fenerbahce. And, Tur- and Turkey, of course. The reputation of Turkey. Well, the statement was made in such a way to say we condemn any racist abuse or language, which we all do, but it also maintained that the way it was presented by Trabzonspor was Aşağılayıcı to Fenerbahce. So that was also covered in the statement and it was firm but very fair and it got the the message across that we wanted to portray which was to say we completely disown and are against any racist language as a football club to to any player no matter who they play for whether it's you know football basketball volleyball handball but why, why aren't Fenerbahce trying to be uh, maybe the bigger man here, classy, and just say we are uh, we are with Trabzonspor against the fight of racism. We we don't accept this type of behavior. People who do this aren't Fenerbahce fans, and we will. And if we can, we will ban them for life or something like that. That's all you have to say, and you don't have to throw dirt afterwards, and you don't have to, you know, because I think. The reaction is to Trabzonspor, but isn't it really the media that they should be reacting to if they're going to be reacting to anyone? Because it's not Trabzonspor who's who's putting out the rumors that Emre uh, racially abused Obi Mikel. That's not that's not Trabzonspor doing that. That's people in the media. That's like fan websites and, and Twitter accounts and idiots. The way it was portrayed was to make Fenerbahce. And yeah, but not, but, look but, bad. Not by, but not by the club, not by Trabzonspor. So why no, attack Trabzonspor? The Trabzonspor statement made a point of saying after the match with Fenerbahce. So they yes, there... because that's the fact. That's what happened, though. <laughs> yeah, but the way it was portrayed... 
by the Trabzonspor media and and the Turkish media put yeah, Fenerbahce into a corner, exactly. and we we felt the need, rightfully, I believe, to to make this statement in the way that we we made it, and I am fully behind it. I I honestly think that the the, the statement that Fenerbahce made is so tone deaf. Um, the easiest the easiest thing that they could have done was just going out and saying, listen, um, we are against, uh, against racism, we don't, we don't condone it. Um, we also think that the people that were responsible for this should be punished. Um, and if we find out who they are and if they have like season tickets, we will yeah. you know, cancel them. Just so exactly. simple. You know, That's all you, you have to do. You don't and, then you're, to... and then you are 100% a good guy. In yeah, this. You, don't, you don't even have to do it. You just say it, you don't even have to do it. And um, the statement from Trabzonspor, the only thing that they said is um, that Obi Mikel was racially abused um, via social media um, after the Fenerbahce game. They didn't talk about Emre, they didn't talk about uh, the fans, the, the quote-unquote fans being Fenerbahce. But, you know, it, 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 got, it got pulled into such a, such a way that I, I've heard people saying, yeah, but Trabzonspor said that Emre did this. Um, Obi Mikel immediately denied that Emre said anything. Um, Trabzonspor um, President Aul also did the same thing, said that Emre, Emre didn't racially abuse anyone. And, you know, as I said, you just only thing that you had to say was we don't condone it. We, we also want to punish, punish those guys. But for some reason, you know, I, I, I know why Ali Koch is doing this. You know, he's, he's trying to create a um, and against, against the them. world narrative and 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 a Calimero gedrag. Yeah, it's always they're always the victim in yeah. every situation. And, and you know, it 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 was fun. You know, the first couple of times this happened, but I know that a lot of fans, not only Trabzonspor fans, are starting to get a sour taste in their mouth because, you know, Kadari, I know how much how much can you complain about about pretty much everything. Um. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just done. You know, I'm just done with, with the unnecessary um, controversy that just gets created from like the simplest things. Um, you know, the, the stuff with Obi Mikel is is absolute bullshit. The stuff with uh, Bayano uh, today, yesterday is absolute bullshit. I just hate this new um, world of football where um, <laughs> it's the age we live in. Where yeah, I just hate this new with the world of football where teams are you know on social media so they have to put out statements left and right yeah. i i never see this in the dutch league you know in the eredivisie i never see stuff like this why do we I, have to yeah. be like you know why why do we as turks have to be so 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 one-sided for in in in, in, in controversial things you know you you either are are against it or are for it and it's never like it, it's it's just it just it just gives me such a headache sometimes yeah, and uh, let's uh, unless uh, Burak wants to get something in here, uh, let's. No, I don't need to. I think you know, <laughs> I, I've said my piece and I, yeah. I stand by it, and it, it was done in in the correct way for the the club. 
Yeah. Let's end on a high note or on a low note. If your name is Joe Gould and you just selected Gaziantep Football Club as your no- new favorite Turkish club, shout out to Joe, of course, loyal follower and listener of the podcast. Um, yeah, so the last match was not the last match of the match day, but the last match we'll be talking about was Besiktas uh, Gaziantep Football Club. Uh, Sergen Yelchin's second match in charge of Besiktas. Uh, relatively easy 3 0 win. Um, but again, low level of officiating. I felt like um, lots of <laughs> lots of goals getting this loud here. Four goals in total. Besiktas scored four goals, and uh, they were. I think all four were disallowed for offside. Uh, of course, the third one that got this loud did end up uh, going to VAR and was uh, then awarded a penalty for a handball. Um, the offside decisions on the first two were clear and. Correct. I think on the fourth one, on the fourth one, I got disallowed, which was Umut Nair's goal. I, I don't really understand why that got disallowed. Um, and then uh, the third one, I think that's the biggest uh, controversial thing here. Uh, initially, my first thought was that's never a penalty because his arm is just next to his body. But then Sidan the other day pointed out to me that he apparently has his other arm underneath his. Uh, arm and then like his hand is sticking out and he like touches the ball with that or something either way I don't really understand why there's a penalty here because under the new offside rule if a defending player deliberately plays the ball it lifts any offside Besiktas have been the victim of that last season against Antalya Sport. They have also benefited from it in the uh, I think this season with uh, Guven scoring a goal from an offside position where the defender headed it through. So I don't really understand why the goal gets disallowed and a penalty is awarded. Uh, is that just to give Gaziantep a second chance at maybe uh, saving the penalty or something? Gaziantep also put out a statement, I believe, after the match on that penalty. Uh, but I don't. I think they're probably not aware of the, that offside rule change. What What did you guys make of, of that penalty and, and the decision of the referee to not just... Allow the goal, Burak, as man of the law. I, I'm really interested in hearing your opinion. Um, that's a really bizarre one. I mean, I'm I'm trying to find reference to it in the the EFAP book, and I either I've not been able to search it very well, or I've just it's been written in such a way that it's made no sense to me, and I've just glossed over it, not realizing that it is talking about what happened in the position. But I'm you know bemused. Why would you not just Give the goal. Um, I, I don't see any reason for it to be pulled back. Um, One of the stupidest rule changes in recent years, in my opinion. By the way, I don't understand what, how they made that decision. But the, the ref think, was uh, was it Alpad Ulusoy, right? Um, yeah, I think so. There you have it. Number one pitch. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Number one, he's no, he's he, he's the son of you know Holuk, so he's Pitchlick is in the family. So is he? Yes. Really? I yeah, didn't man. even know that. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Um, so I've got no idea what he was playing out there with, but I don't know. Gobsmacked. Um, yeah. Maybe again, he just needs to go on a course and learn the rules. I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, another penalty position at, uh, towards the end at two nil. Gokhan Gunnel uh, trips. Can uh, uh, can I, I want to say former Bishtish Academy player? Uh, Gokhan even goes up to the referee, 
and says that he made contact. Referee just has none of it and just gives Kenan a yellow card and uh, doesn't award a penalty there. Odd decision again. I mean, the player, the defender, goes and tells you, look, I touched him. Why would you still uphold that yellow card then? Makes no sense. I mean, yeah. It was looked very soft by Gokhan Gunn, to be fair. It was like one of those ones where the player leaves his foot in until the very last moment to get the slightest touch. Yeah, but and, it's and not a dive down. if there's contact. At least you can say, okay, no penalty, but why do you give the yellow card still? Because the referee is who he is, and he's an incompetent piece of shit. That's why. Otherwise, yeah. For what did you think of the 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 yeah the, the two first disallowed goals? That was as clear. What did you see the Umut goal? Why why do you agree with that uh, disallowment? Um, to myself, there were so many goals in this game that let in disallowed. It was you know turned out to be a very easy three 0 for Besiktas. Um, so I didn't really focus too much on the disallowed goals, to be fair. Um, but I think we we need to. Just going back to Trabzon on Genshler, we need to give a shout out to was it Nadir Chifchi <laughs> for the one of the misses of the season as well. Um, one, right, one, yeah, that tap, tapping at the at the far post. Absolute, absolute fucking donkey. Um, but I'm I'm just trying to look at the basic touch positions now for the um, the goals. I mean, when I was watching, I caught some of the game live, and then I was watching extended highlights and highlights. So I didn't see anything that was to say, oh, that was a really contentious offside, or that was a, oh, let me look at that disallowed goal again in more detail. No, um, the first half was were clear. Those two goals in the first half, both assists from Burak Yilmaz, uh, but Burak offside on both positions. But yep. the first, first time in a while that Burak has looked this lively, making that many runs, I, I really felt like under Avci he was static. I think he was still suffering from his beginning of the season injury. He slowly but surely seems to be getting back into his form. Uh, yeah. Sarakan's taking him down the racetrack for morale. That's what it is. He's taking him out on the town. <laughs> They've had a few bets on some horses. And they had some some kufta at the, the famous Besiktas kufta, you see, um, around Besiktas in Istanbul. And it's just brought him back to life. We, oh, we, I, I, can't, I can't eat kufta. It gives me gas, man. Well, if not a true Besiktas fan, if you're not... <laughs> I, I love Kufta, but I, I don't like the aftermath. Well, it's worth That's it. That's a personal, uh, <laughs> personal fact about me. The more uh, you know. A yeah, little you, bit too much. But let, if you want to, if you want to uh, crack my email address, you know, maybe that's my secret answer. Kufta oh gives me gas. But let, let's, let's show some love to Prince, as he has on the back mm. of his shirt. It's like... He's come on for his his debut at home, substitute appearance, and in typical Kevin Prince boyting fashion, he scores a back heel goal and does a backflip, which almost goes wrong. And I'm surprised yeah, he didn't yeah. dislocate his shoulder. <laughs> Great goal, though. Like knowing, and... knowing the best touch injury risks, he just immediately like tears the ACL trying to <laughs> do a backflip. Yeah, fantastic goal. Also, the Ibrahim Tatlas's music playing. Uh... Playing as as he scores, yeah. What would what, what, uh, yeah? Great impact for him. I, I it's a shame Uzer isn't on here because he's a big uh, Kevin Prince Boateng fan. Um, yeah, no better way to to make your debut for 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 a team, I think. And uh, Bistech will need him. Uh, for, for yeah, Bistech have lacked that. I feel that that presence in the box, that extra body that makes runs into the box. 
Um, yes, ever since Talishka went to China, Bishtis haven't really had that. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, we'll see him starting next week against Bashakshir. But anyway, if, if simple win for Besiktas, uh, they had to win this. They had to win last week too uh, against Rizespor. It was uh, at, with the, by the skin of their teeth. This was a little bit more comfortable. Uh, in the end of the day, this could have been a five six nil maybe. Um, but Gaziantep didn't look uh, very very good in the first half. They had a couple of dangerous counters, but they were so impressive last week against Sivasspor. It felt like they had spent all their uh, gunpowder last week and just had none left for this one. But uh, I think that'll do it for, for this week. Uh, of course, we have some interesting fixtures coming up next week uh, with uh, with uh, Besiktas Besakshir, Besakshir Besiktas match. Um, that's I think the one that, that jumps out the most. And in two weeks' time, of course, we have the big Fenerbahce Galtzrite derby. So uh, who are Fenerbahce playing next week, uh, Burak? Ankara Gijir. Okay, and Trabzonspor, who are they playing? Tivan at home. Oh, interesting. With and probably without Serloff. Yeah, um, probably. Uh, I I I see him using Ekuban as his forward, or maybe yeah, or, maybe or Yeah, and uh, Galtzrite, of course, as we already mentioned, are playing uh, Yeni Malatias for next week. But uh, of course, you know, just go to uh, your BN Sports app, check it yourself, check the standings yourself, do it all yourself. We're changing the format, damn it. Anyway, folks, on the 20th of February, we will be one year old. We'll be celebrating our one year anniversary. And to celebrate that, we are giving away one, yes, one. 2019-2020 football jersey of any Turkish club, providing we are able to order it online and have it shipped to you. So if it's like Tuzla Sport and they don't offer shirts online or whatever, sorry, pick another team, you know. Uh, but as long as it's readily available online and we can get it out to you easily, you know, that's... Uh, those are fair game, so you can take a second division side if it's possible. It doesn't matter for us. So, in order to participate in this contest, go to our Twitter account at Footy Turca. Find the giveaway tweet. It's one of the more recent tweets. Um, post, uh, retweet it. Follow our Twitter account and also comment on that uh, on that on that tweet by uh, adding a print screen showing that you subscribe to Football a la Turca. It doesn't matter on what app it is, if it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, it doesn't matter. As long as you show that you uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then you have a chance, you'll be automatically entered into the contest. And on the 25th of February, uh, our episode of the 25th of February might should normally come out on the 25th, but maybe, you know, you never know. But that week, we will announce the winner on the show. And uh, that person will get to pick a free shirt of the 2019-2020 season. So don't miss that opportunity if you're listening to the podcast anyway. Um, make sure to uh, to go and participate in the contest. Yeah, I'll, I'll we'll pin the tweet, actually. So as soon as you go to our profile on Twitter, you can see it as the pinned tweet. I'll do that for you after the show. Fantastic. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much it, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll uh, see you again uh, next week, of course. More chaos loading. I, I can't wait to see what happens uh, next week. Uh, I, want, I want to see if it's like Ray Donovan or something like the Sopranos. Um, it's going to be mad, madness. Absolute theatre. Uh, Un- undoubtedly. God, yeah. Stranger, Stranger Things. 
God, oh, no. God, I say. We, we, will, we will wait and see, and we will be ready to tell you, dear listeners, all, all about it. 